He gave everything for me. You stopped to think about that this morning. Ask that you would turn your Bibles to the book of Jeremiah, the second chapter. If you would stand and read into the reverence of the Word of God. Chapter 2. <clears throat> you look in your Bible, I don't know if yours has subtitles, mine does. This title is this chapter is titled Israel's Faithlessness. Not their faithfulness, faithlessness. Our key verse this morning we'll read, and then you may we'll go board in prayer, and you may be seated. Jeremiah. Chapter 2. It says this in verse 29. Wherefore will you plead with me? You all have transgressed against me, saith the Lord. Father, this morning I'm thankful and I'm praising you, dear God, for your love and your mercy. Thanking you for your grace. But I thank you, dear God, for your honesty, for your straightforwardness. Father, I'm glad today to say, Father, that in thy word I can find what I am and who I am. But I can also find, dear God, today what I am to you and who I can be for you. And I just thank you, dear God, and I ask you, Lord, help us today in thy word. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. You know, this world in the church age today, I'm not trying to be harsh this morning, but I was thinking about some things and praying about some things and struggling with some things. There's nobody lost today in this world. So it seems, as far as people are concerned, it's hard to convince people today that they're lost and that they need a Savior. It's hard to convince even people in the church today that we need to live godly and live right, to live soberly and live righteously, to serve God and be instant in season and out of season, to be willing to do what is necessary, no matter what, I guess no matter what the circumstances. We're not honest with God a lot of times, but God is always honest with us. I thought about this. You cannot convince somebody to be saved until you convince that person they're lost. And it's hard to convince them to be lost when you can't even convince yourself a lot of times to be saved. And you say, well, Brother Ernie, I'm saved. I know that I'm saved. I'm not, God, I'm not talking about it that way. I said convincing ourselves to be saved. Convincing ourselves to live like we're saved. To live in honesty and integrity before the Lord. Jesus said that God seeketh such to serve him, saying that they that serve him shall serve him, worship him in truth and in spirit. Joshua tells us that we have to serve him in sincerity and in truth. We look at the word of God and God says, Be ye holy for I am holy. And yet we struggle with these things. 
Now, none of us are perfect. Don't think that I'm judging you this morning. I'm not. I, I, I really took a very critical look at myself. And I thought, how different would I be if I realized what I really am and who I need to be? And I know that I go through this in my mind and we all go through seasons where we struggle sometimes with the fact that as a Christian we should be serving God with everything we've got. And then there's other days when, when we feel like it's a struggle just to wake up and say good morning God. But yet God is still always faithful. So I started off with this thought. God give me these verses. I struggled with the thought. What can I title these things? It's real simple. Guilty, yet love. We're guilty, Amen. but yet loved. A love that, that is unmeasurable. I, I thought about this and, and things. It's just, this has been, we call this anniversary week. It's not an anniversary day at my house. It's an anniversary week. I celebrate our anniversary. I take off this week every year. Uh, you'll find in November of this year, I'll apply for this week next year. Just in case I'm still working and still alive, I, I get in there early. As soon as the supervisor says you can ask for vacation next year, this week's the top one. The second week is Ned's birthday. I take off her birthday. If I don't get any other weeks in the year, I want those two weeks. What does God want out of us? How much does God love us? How important to God are you and I? The value that I've placed on my life, and, and, and I say this a lot, just simply this, because to put it in perspective, God gave everything for me. God gave everything for you. God celebrates us every day. You, you think about this. We count down to the days when we were young. We would count down to the day when we had a birthday. When we get older, I like to say we count down to our birthday days, but most of the time we're, cutting, we're counting down to the days of renewed vacation and retirement. And we celebrate important days as we go through life. But, but we're looking at the time of each year, January 1st, when my vacation renews or whenever your vacation renews. We're looking for the time uh, when we retire. And, and, and don't, look at, don't look at Social Security dates, all right? I'm going to tell you, they will depress you. The church is in depression today because of that. But can I tell you, if we look at dates that are important... God looks at every day vital for me and you. And God is looking at the day in which he knows that we'll leave this walk of life. Now, here's the sad part. God understands whether or not you will leave this walk of life guilty, lost, undone. And when you stand before him, he will judge you and cast you into eternity. Or the day that you stand before God and he gets to welcome you in to the permanent residence. The residing place. But sometimes I think that we do not think that we're guilty. We've got any need to repent. There's no need to get closer to God. No need for more church. No need for more Bible study. No need for more praying. Don't need to hear any more preaching. 
But yet Jeremiah tells us that the children of Israel understood their condition and it was made plain to them. And God's, wherefore will you plead with me? Now think about this. You have all transgressed against me, saith the Lord. Why, why are you pleading with me? I'm glad today that I had more to read than they had to hear in that time. They, they would hear the reading of the word. They would hear the declarations of prophets. They would they, they'd hear the scriptures and the prophecies given. You and I read this and we go, wow, that must have been hard to hear when, when Jeremiah would stand up and give the word of God and God would look at the people and Jeremiah look at the people and he'd say, why are you talking to me? You're all sinners. What do you want from me? You're all guilty. Man, I, I like the fact that I can go over there in the book, in the New Testament, and, and find Jesus as, I love you. You know, it's hard to stand and be condemned. But realize that God's judgment now is chastisement. But God's judgment of eternity never changes. So while God is telling us now, we're transgressors, we're sinners, we're lost, we need to be saved, we don't need to be going to backsliding, we need to get on the forefront and keep going. Jesus says, put in your hand to the plow, don't look back, right? Aren't you glad today that we can see these things and understand that God's true desire for you and I is not to see this and feel like there's no hope, but rather to see this and understand there is hope. But there's several verses that are key that tell us the truth that we, I'll be honest with you, I'll talk about them sometimes and, and quote a little bit of them, but this morning we're going to read them all. I want you to think about this. Romans 3.23, we call it the road, Romans road of salvation. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's the verse. Remember, he just said you've all transgressed. People today don't believe they sin because why? They look at somebody else and they say, I'm no different than they are. And the sad part of it is it goes on inside the church. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. Measure yourself against anybody, but you still show up short when it comes to God. I'm still short when it comes to God. Maybe I could talk my way into something, but I cannot talk my way into heaven. It doesn't happen that way. My aunt told me, and I've said this several times, she told me that when I got older, I would get a job anywhere as I wanted it because I could baloney people into believing anything. I was a pretty good baloneyer. Can I tell you, this is not baloney. I, I don't understand why people think that when we judge against ourselves or compare ourselves to somebody else we're just as good as they are 
Well, if you're just as good as they are, or I'm just as good as you are, you're just as good as I am, we're all going to hell. Come on. Because <clears throat> none of us good enough. Romans 5, 12, Wherefore, by as one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death was passed upon all men, for all have sinned. When God measured us, and comparing us to human beings, he went right back to Adam. And he said, you all came from Adam. You all look like Adam. You all act like Adam. You're all a descendant of Adam. And because Adam sinned, death came into the world. And because death is in the world, because what? All men are like Adam. Death is passed upon all of us, for all of us have sinned. I've said many times looking at the scripture, when we look at Israel, it's so, easy, it's so easy so many times to point back and say, why did they do that? And God says, that's right, why did they do that, Ernie? And then he looks at me and he says, why are you doing what they did? I gave them as an example of what not to do, and you're doing it. This reminded me, just like they Looking back at Adam, have sinned, I have sinned too. You say this is getting depressing. It ought to be getting stirring. You ever thought about that? When we start talking about sin, well, you're depressing me. You're picking on me. Why, why are, we go through all kinds of personal annotations, and it's all about me. Why? Because God is dealing with you and I. The scriptures is all about God's wisdom, knowledge, love, mercy, grace, even his influence. And they're directed down to you and I because God says you've got to understand who you are so you can understand who I am. Psalms 14, verse 3. They are all gone aside. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doth good, no, not one. Every time I, I think about this, the, the no, not one, the song comes to my mind. There's not a friend like our lowly Savior. No, not one. No, not one. And there's not. But when we think about the no, not one, we're thinking about the good side. There's nobody like him. He was telling us, there's nobody good. You're really getting mean, Brother Ernie. I'm not, I'm not being mean. I just hope that we can understand who we are. Understand what we need. The world that is outside the church doors and even inside the church doors, the building doors. The world that is lost, and even the folks in the church buildings that are lost need to understand they're lost not because they're, they're worse than somebody else. They're lost because they're lost. Me and you are lost because we're lost, or we're saved because of Him, Amen. because of Christ. 
But we cannot justify ourselves. We've got to be justified through Him. And His justification ain't to modify us, it's to change us. You ever thought about that? This is a bad example, but, but I'll give it to you the easy way. I used to love to be able to comb my hair back. I got the CPAP, and the CPAP modified my hair. It gave me a faux hawk when it got too long. So then I cut my hair off short. And then I cut it off shorter. And now I can't hardly stand to have hair longer than what it is on my head right now. That, that, that modification changed things. But, but when I changed, it changed me. Now I don't like hair on my head any longer than what it is. Well, Jesus didn't modify me. He changed me. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away, and all things are become new. It's not a modification. It's a change. It's not giving you brown beans tonight and then taking those brown beans and mashing them up tomorrow night and call them refried beans. It's new. It has to be new. Why? Because in me there is no good thing that is in my flesh. Paul said. If you think about it this way, all of sin, this fleshly body is sin. That's why the Bible says flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because this fleshly body has sin in it. And there is not going to be any sin in the new heaven. Amen. Why was Satan kicked out? Because he was full of sin. He was cast down. Why? Because he was full of sin. And there's not going to be any sin in the new heaven. Psalms 53.3, every one of them has gone back. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. That they're all gone back. Jesus, God dresses Israel in the Old Testament. He said they are in a state of perpetual backsliding. They are constantly backsliding. We keep thinking backsliding is okay. Just means you're not going to get as much in heaven. I'm still going to heaven. Why are you going to heaven? You know, it, it, it amazes me how people justify themselves getting to heaven. They always go back to some of the same things. Well, you know what? I'm not as bad as they are. Or I, I accepted Jesus. Prove it. These people do draw nigh to me with their lips, but their hearts are far from. Those words kind of cut. You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you, church. There are times I've spent sleepless nights praying to God, seeking God, just asking God to assure me in His salvation. Because I did not, I did not want to be a lip glorifier. And, I, and I'll tell you the truth. There's sometimes I ask myself, are you really saved? Look at what you've done or not done. Are you, really? Are you saved? You say, Brother Ernie, you're worried about your salvation. No, I know I'm saved. 
Just because I mess up today doesn't make me lost. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to stand before God having refused the calling of the Holy Spirit to repentance. I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't want to go before God and God would say, Well, Ernie, I'd let you in, but you wouldn't repent. You thought you was good. You thought you was all right. Instead, you went back to the vomit. Just think about it for me in the church. Just because you mess up now doesn't mean you're going to hell more. And God's not sitting in there. I, I, I say this all the time. God's not sitting there waiting for you to sin so he can send you to hell. That's not the way God works. But God wants us to repent and get things right. And God wants us to quit looking at other people and justifying ourselves based upon what they're doing because we're not doing it as bad as they're doing it or we're not doing it as much as they're doing it, you know? It, it, it's only X if you... We put, we put the stipulations and limitations in there. Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So there's none that doth good and there's none righteous. In verse 12, it follows up and said, there is, they are all gone the way, gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doth good, no, not one. Jesus even said this, understanding that the young man who come to him did not fully understand the scriptures. He come and said, good master, what good thing must I do to be saved? He said, why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. And we know that Jesus is God in the flesh. We understand that. But he did it. He was looking for him to tell him something that he could do that would give him eternal life. Listen to me. Jesus put it real plain. He said, go and sell all that thou hast, distribute it unto the poor, and come and follow me. And he went away sorrowful, for he had much riches. God says that if you or I put you or I before him, we're not fit. We've got to realize our lost condition in order to be saved, and we ought to realize our saved condition and not return to the lost. Don't go back to where you were. We, we, we can't... It's like this, and I say this a lot too. People get saved. Now there's two, two types of people. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put this in salvation. People get saved. They, they, I mean, really, they, they, they are. They're saved. They're born again. They're on fire for God. I mean, they're showing up. They're going out. I, they're coming in with a hallelujah. They're going out with an amen. They ain't afraid to come to the altar and pray. They're, they're not afraid to say amen sometimes. Sometimes they are now. But, but they, they're, they're here. And then there's those that say, well, I got saved today. I'll see you next week. And it ends up being next week. Then the next week it's next month. Then the next month it's next year. They're gone. But they got saved. They didn't get changed. They draw nigh with their lips, but their hearts is not in them. They're far from him. 
They're good now. They're better now. They're, they're not as bad as somebody else is. They're, they, they're, they're all together different, but they're not different. And, and I will say this, that we, when we get saved, we, we have a zeal and a desire. True salvation changes the heart, changes the mind, changes the attitude, changes all the expectations. I mean, it, it, it gets in there and it starts to drive us. The problem is, is we begin to backslide. We begin to wean back. We begin to think it's not as bad as it was. I'm still better than I used to be. I'm just not as lost as I once was. I'm saved now. I, I'll get it right. Hey, when time present, I'm going to get better. I promise I'll get better. We do all of these things, but we don't realize this, that we're doing these in the flesh instead of doing it in the Spirit. It's the Spirit that changes. The Spirit that keeps me awake at night and convicts my heart because I didn't do something right and, and puts me into a mindset of prayer and praying and seeking God. That's not a bad thing. That's a great thing. The kids were traveling home from Florida the other day. Zach and Mariah in one vehicle, Kayla and Jacob in the other vehicle. And they weren't driving together. They were separated by time. I don't know how much, miles and so forth. They, they were separated a little while. And me and Mama, we would spy on them to see how far they progressed. You know what? Every time we spied, we prayed. We prayed and we prayed Keep them safe, Lord. Keep them safe, Lord. Keep them safe, Lord. Kayla and Jacob got home a little after midnight, before one in the morning. I couldn't go to sleep. Keep them safe, Lord. They got home. I, I, I just thanked the Lord. I just thanked Him, thanked Him, and thanked Him, praying for Mariah and Zach because they hadn't made it home yet. Praying and praying and praying. Finally, I'm like, well, they should have been here by now. I ain't heard 360 go off. I'm not hearing them. I don't know how they got in the house so quiet, but they did. I look at it and it says they're home. Been home for about 20 minutes. And I lay there and I just thank God. And thank Him and thank Him and thank Him. Finally get to sleep. I thank God why? Why do you answer my prayers? When I'm so bad and I'm no good, deserve it. I hear people all the time say, well, I deserve better than that. If we got what we deserved, would we really get heaven? Would we really get salvation? I, I, I thought 
I've got to look this up. Is there a verse in the Bible that says deserve? And there is. It ain't what you think it is, though. Or maybe it is. Ezra chapter 9, verse 13 says, And after all this come upon us for our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that our God hath punished us less than our iniquities deserve. And hath given us such a deliverance as this. After that all. This. Is come upon us for our evil deeds. And for our great trespass. Seeing that our God hath punished us less. Than our iniquities deserve. And hath given us such a deliverance as this. It's the only verse that has the word deserve in it, by the way, in your King James Bible. There's another verse that has deserveth. And it basically says the same thing that God has punished us less than what our iniquities deserveth. So how is it that he's given us such a deliverance? Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Wow, what a deliverance. Taking my sin, putting it in a new category, gone. God actually has a file 13. It's called, what sins are you talking about? When they go underneath the blood, they're gone be remembered against us no more. What a deliverance from sin. The, the thing that we, we forget is that while that is done, it's not done so we can just go get another bank account of sin. It's done so that in having our sins washed and put underneath the blood of Jesus Christ, we can live now with God through Jesus. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You don't just have to, to think, hope more one day. I hear this. God Himself, Jesus Christ, is He came to seek and to save that which was lost. These words, like I was saying earlier, if you just read these and never knew anything different, what a depression there would be because you'd be saying, you're a transgressor, you've sinned, you're, there's none good, there's none that does righteousness, nobody. Even, even this one, I didn't read Isaiah 64, 6, but we are all as unclean things and all our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's not even anything we can compare and we all do fade as leaves. Our iniquities 
like the wind have taken us away. And yet God says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they be white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. How do we know? Because he come to seek and to save with that which is lost. And then this verse of scripture that we've known from our childhood up. And it's lost its luster. But it is one of the most glorious verses in the Bible. And by the way, can I say this? In John 3, 16, it's the only place in the Bible you will find the words, For God so. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whosoever believeth in him. The church, if that's our verse, we're going to stand on. We gotta stand with the one who gave us the verse. <clears throat> it's life changing, not life altering, not life modifying. Life changing. Would you stand this morning? Father, today I'm thankful, Lord, for your love and mercy. I'm thankful, dear God, today for the blessings that you give us and for the word you've provided for us. Lord, I'm thankful this morning that I can read them, see them, believe them. And God, that should cause us to heed them and receive them into our lives to change our lives. Lord, I pray this morning that you would help me. Father, please help these that are here. Those that are here. Those that watch at some point in time. Precious God, I pray this morning. Make me different. Help me, Father, to stand strong and firm in the difference that you put in my life. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. If you have a desire to come and pray this morning, would you come?